Deep pattern, downfield, touchdown Miami! What a throw, Devontae Parker! Holy smokes, what a drive! What is up, Dolph fans, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's Wednesday. Players were off on Tuesday. Coaches met with the media. So we're going to take a look at the matchup in Foxborough on Sunday through the words of George Gotze, Josh Boyer, Lemuel Jean-Pierre, and many, many more. Plus, our Wednesday deep dive takes us into the film room to take a look at Christian Wilkins. I'll tell you why he's far more valuable than he gets credit for, and we'll scan the interwebs for some preseason slash season prediction content from some of my favorite content creators from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. So there's no real news or anything like that to get to today. So why don't we just dive right in? We had a chance to speak to the Dolphins' assistance, and man, we got some good stuff on Tuesday morning. Let's do a preliminary preview of Sunday's game that we just all cannot wait to get here. Let's go week, hurry on up, through the words of the coaching staff. And Tomorrow, we'll do a unit-by-unit matchup breakdown and have John Kinjemi on to help us out with that as well. But today, we'll start here with Dolphins defensive coordinator Josh Boyer. And to me, this was the quote of the day, and it speaks to both the prep work, but also just how tough the Patriots are to prepare for. We talked about this in the podcast yesterday, and the ability to morph your schematics and your game plans and the courage that takes. Well, Nobody has been better at that over the last two decades than the New England Patriots. And I always think back to Jonas Gray, for instance, the 200-yard rusher one game, and you don't even hear from him the next game. I remember Garrett Blunt and days where he would do something similar with, you know, 35 carries, whatever the case may be, and the following week you have a team that is a little bit thinner in the secondary, and so Garrett Blunt goes on the shelf, or maybe he's more of a pass protector in there on passing downs, and you spread the football all over the field via the air. Or how about when they were forced to go to their third-string quarterback back in 2016, who just so happens to be Jacoby Brissett, new Miami Dolphin this year. But in his rookie season as a third-round draft pick, after the Tom Brady suspension and Jimmy Garoppolo injury, they they show up on a Thursday night on a short week. They had a game plan that Jacoby engineered just to pure perfection, but it was based heavily in the run game, and they just steamrolled the Houston Texans in a game that most people thought might go the other way because of the Patriots on their third-string quarterback. But they found a way to scheme a victory around said quarterback. So what does Josh Boyer say about what you can expect from the Patriots this Sunday? Well, it's not about what you can expect, but rather to expect the unexpected. I think we're guaranteed to see something that we're not preparing for uh, week one. I mean, you know, uh, I think that was the case last year. I think that was the case the year before. I mean, it's... You know, the, you prepare for a lot of things, and, and you look at a lot of a lot of history, a lot of things that they've done with certain personnel groupings. Um, but there's always an element of unknown going into it. Um, so, I, I think you just have to be ready to adjust and be ready to adapt. Um, you know, when we're playing on Sunday, to get things handled that you weren't quite, you know, ready to see. 
And then coach was asked a follow-up question about the Patriots personnel groupings and the options they have to go to multiple personnel groupings. Here's coach Boyer. Well, I, you know, again, I, I think, I think it starts with um, you look at their personnel group as a whole, uh, even with all their additions, I think you look at the coordinator and the things that he's done with certain personnel groupings, and you try to relate that to uh, guys that he's had in the past and how he may use them. Um, so, you know, again, there will be an element of unknown to it. I think we've prepared, you know, for a lot of different scenarios. Um, again, in the preseason, they didn't have everybody available to them that they'll have available this Sunday. Um, so, again, you know, there's a little bit of a guess on that. Um, I would say it's an educated guess. You know, we've spent some time on, you know, what they've done in the past. But, again, there's also going to be an element of unknown that, you know, that we'll have to handle and be ready to prepare for. What we do know is they're going to be very well coached. They're going to play hard. Uh, they're going to play for a full 60 minutes. And, and we got to be ready to match that, and we got to be ready to go. I still think the most, the reason I began the podcast with the quote, I think we're guaranteed to see something that we're not preparing for week one. Just really insightful stuff there from the Dolphins defensive coordinator, the DC of last year's number one ranked takeaway defense, number one ranked third down defense, and number sixth ranked scoring defense. Now, coach also said they prepared for Mac Jones, Cam Newton, Brian Hoyer, and Jarrett Stidham at quarterback. And I just wanted to put that in there because I think it's a bit of a nod of an appreciation you have to have for these coaches and the time they put in. It's one of the more tiring professions you can imagine. And it's at times, especially with positional coaches, somewhat thankless, at least on the outside perspective. And to me, it's it's impressive. And it's league-wide across all 32 clubs. And it really kind of, at least to me, opens your eyes to the discourse you see on social media or the like. Almost feels kind of ridiculous to debate these guys. It's It's almost like, you know, let's call it a high school degree level graduate compared to a PhD in terms of the experience and knowledge in this particular outfit. So finally, the best part about Josh Boyer, besides that first quote, was Joe Shad asked him a little bit about Elijah Campbell, the Dolphins' new acquisition off the waiver wire last week, who had spent some time in both the AAF and the XFL. And Joe was kind of giving coach a little bit of a, not a razzing, but just trying to find out what annals coach might go to to find tape on a guy like that and coach just said yeah I've seen a lot of film Joe I've seen a lot of film I loved that answer from coach and fun discourse there with he and Joe shout out the Palm Beach Post what's up Joe good job on that question today I also had a chance to ask coach Burks something similar with regards to how do you prepare for a team that's so known for rolling out new things and the in-game adjustment mentality how do you prepare for what will likely be an in-game adjustment as coach Boyer said because we're expecting to see something that we don't expect to see here's coach Burks well you know the, the main thing is we know that they're going to be well coached we know they're going to be disciplined you know uh mistakes will be limited so regardless of the personnel the, the personality uh of the team it is what it is you know so that that's what we prepare for that's what we expect you know they've been this way for the past 20 years so it's going to be a hard fought fourth quarter game so that's that's something you always love to hear about the coaching staff focusing on just the overall picture there and that is no different there in the messaging from coach burks 
Next, I had a chance, staying on the defensive side of the ball, to talk to Coach Austin Clark, who has been very insightful in my conversations with him, and that did not change on this Tuesday for the podcast on Wednesday, September the 8th. Thanks for listening to the Drive Time Podcast. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast for us, and tell a friend to help us out. That's the only thing we ask of you here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. Also, check out The Fish Tank with Seth Levin and O.J. McDuffie. But back to Austin Clark, I wanted to ask him about the Patriots' offensive line and their ability to use their size, their play experience, and their familiarity with one another to help thwart the games and the pass rush packages up front that you might want to throw at them. Because the Patriots offensive line, for as long as I can remember, you know, as a 25-year obsessive fan of this league, they seem to always roll out very, very good offensive lines. So I asked Coach Clark, how do you deconstruct that line, the communication they probably have, the experience playing together? How do you get production against a line that's so good? Here's Coach Clark. Yeah, I would say uh, they work well together. They're a very, very experienced group. Um, you know, the addition of get, getting Brown back, you know, I, I think is huge for them. Um, and, and they come off with, with low pads. They play really hard, and I think it's going to be a big challenge for us. You heard him talk a little bit about Trent Brown there, the addition they made back at tackle, a player that was with the Patriots once upon a time and then went to Oakland. Now he's back with New England. And, you know, I wanted to ask him about that guy because Trent Brown is a 360-pound dude. How difficult is it to get a guy like that, you know, either over his skis or off momentum or just how do you get through him on a bull rush? There's so many different things you have to contend with with a guy of that size and stature. So I wanted to ask Coach, you know, how do you approach a guy that's maybe unique in the sense that he is so large and so difficult to get around? Here's Coach Clark. Yeah, I think for for some guys, yeah, I think, you know, he's an elite-level talent and – in terms of, uh, you know, everybody's different and every player on defense is going to be different, you know. So depending on who that is lining up on him, you know, maybe he may have a different mentality. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the guys are really excited about the challenge. And it's not just Trent Brown. Michael Unwenu is a massive, massive human being too, along with Shaq Mason, who's been one of the best right guards in the NFL for a long, long time. David Andrews is back. Ted Karras is back up there. You also got Isaiah Wynn at left tackle, a very tough offensive line. We'll get into those guys on the podcast tomorrow and break that all down. But over to the offensive side and kind of some of the attacking the Patriots defense questions, I went to George Godsey here. He was asked about early season production and getting off to a fast start with regards to the offense executing. Here's Coach Godsey. Yeah, I think uh, through training camp, it's, uh, you know, you have some good days, you have some bad days. You're going against your uh, a lot of the same guys um, for a majority of it. You know, we had some good experiences with other teams, um, but preseason is one, one thing, and this is a regular season. And uh, we know that they're going to give us their best, and, you know, we want to make sure it's competitive and at our best every snap. Uh, we need to be on blocks when we're called or asked to do it. Um, and, you know, we need to find the open guy, deliver an accurate ball, catch the ball, and get yards in the passing game. Running backs need to run hard. I mean, it's, uh, it's not a complex formula, but going back to your original point, you know, we talk about technique, fundamentals, and, you know, they're well coached. There'll be guys in position, and it's up to us to block them, you know, get open, catch the football, deliver an accurate ball. 
and this is kind of going away from the theme of these questions with regards to the Patriots and how to attack them. And, you know, like we mentioned early season, fast starts and kind of the execution of the offense. Coach was asked about Tua Tunga-Vailoa, some of the strengths that he thinks the quarterback offers and some of the things that maybe attracted the Dolphins to the former overall, number five overall pick in the draft out of Alabama. Here's Coach on his quarterback. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot, of, a lot of variables there. Um, you know, he's, he's pretty good at a lot of different phases in college as far as executing for that team. And, um, you know, play action, regular boot game, you know, so that was part of the reason, you know, we looked at him and liked him. And, um, you know, so th- this is obviously a, a jump in, in personnel and who's playing and strategy, you know, so uh, a lot of those variables kind of play into that more than it does just actually copy-pasting, if you will, a play. that's a little bit harder to do. So he was talking there a little bit about the RPO game and some of the other type of offensive concepts and action that Tua excels with. So I thought that was some good insight there from Coach Godsey, Dolphins co-offensive coordinator. Let's go ahead and flip this thing over. No, check that. How about some of the other problems the Patriots present on that defensive side of the football and their ability to be multiple up front and rush with a bunch of different guys is, is one of the key problems I personally have identified, and it's not a secret, I don't think, from people that watch this league, but I had a chance to ask Coach Lemuel Jean-Pierre, offensive line coach here in Miami, a couple of questions. Number one, how do you prepare for a team that has all of the different things the Patriots can do? Let's go ahead and start there for Coach Lemuel Jean-Pierre. You know, like everybody knows, every week brings you different challenges for sure, and uh, you got a team where they let you know what it's going to be, kind of. One thing you already got to assume as a coach is that what they're showing you isn't just what they want you to know. So sometimes you get my, my guys prepared for the unknown, but sometimes, sometimes you work that in there. So they present that challenge, but the best way to attack it is, like, you got to just film study for sure, trying to see if you can just see, see a tell here and there, which they're very good at not giving you that. And then you got to keep repping them, repping them, like high-speed competitive rep, repetition. That way we can work out the kinks and see, hey, if you get in a bad position, how you got to recover. Because one of my beliefs is I can't always practice my guys at um, being in the perfect position because that's not football. You want to make sure you practice them. Like, if we get in this position, how do you recover and not panic? A lot of times you get panicked, that's when bad things happen. Gosh, I really think the Dolphins are in good hands there with Coach Lemuel Jean-Pierre. He is a lot of fun to talk to and break this game down like we'd love to do here on the Drive Time podcast. And you heard him say there, which I found so very interesting, that teams want to show you stuff they want you to see in order to and this is me going on now, to possibly manipulate manipulate you later on in the game. And that's the beauty of football. I think I even said in my follow-up question to Coach Lem there, like, that's why we love this game so much, right? Because it is so complex that way, and there's so much of a chess match as far as, like, here's what I think you're going to do, so I'm going to react this way, and this can possibly have this impact later on in the game. It, to me, it's like a batter versus pitcher matchup where – the pitcher is trying to think about, okay, the last time I was 1-2 to this guy, I threw the curveball off the plate away, then came back in with the fastball under the hands. Like All of the data you have goes into the data bank, so you can then project what might happen in the future. It's a tough job, a tough task. That's why these coaches are so good at what they do. So here's a question for Coach about preparing for guys like, for instance, Josh Uche and Chase Winovich, who maybe you know have their best ball out ahead of them, and you don't necessarily know what kind of player they are coming back in year two or year three as guys that have developed over the offseason. Since you're seeing them in game number one and your tape that you do have from last season, 
well, it's probably outdated on those guys because they have had a whole offseason to grow and prepare and learn the system and lift weights and condition and just get better at their craft. How do you prepare for guys who probably have their best football still to come and decide what they're best at when you haven't seen that yet on tape? You, you take all the tape you can. And for both those guys that you mentioned, you know, you got your Judons and your, um, you got Van Noy because he's been here. The thing about those two I'll tell you specifically is because I had part of my job last year was like a pastor study. So those two guys were never hidden. Like, they might be showing them now. Last year, if you look at some of the tape, they were always there. Now they're just with more experience, more confidence. They're probably showing everybody else more. So at least from an O-line coach perspective, because I'm focusing on those guys, those guys aren't surprising me. Like last year, like I said, you look at the Rams tape, you know, uh, they showed the quickness. You know, they showed the ability to kind of rush the passer. Same time, showing physicality. They're very good up front, and they're a good disciplined defense in the team. So we know that. Once, once again, you know that from the tape and just them. And so we have a lot of respect for them, so that's why we got to prepare how we prepare. And let's go ahead and finish up here on the offensive side with Coach Josh Grizzard, Dolphins wide receivers coach. I had a chance to ask Grizz about the Pats and the difficulty. Again, this type of defense with the rush games up front, that pairs with numerous coverage looks and different disguises and the ability to get to all those different looks because of how loaded that secondary is. Let's go ahead and turn this over to Coach Grizzard. Yeah, we try to um, tell them, hey, this is what they've shown, but we know with this group that you can expect anything. So you got to be able to execute your fundamentals and techniques and lean on the, the things that you developed all the way through camp just because you don't necessarily know what you're going to see. Once we get into it, you might know in the first quarter, and then it could change. So it's all about leaning on all your preparation through camp and seeing coverage the same way and ultimately seeing it the same way through through each position group to know exactly where we need to be on time and ready to uh, ready to uncover. So there you go. The preview from the coach's perspective, I think expect the unexpected was kind of the theme of those interviews and of those conversations. Again, a big thanks to the Dolphins coaching staff for just talking football with me. I, I love these assistant coach pressers because it puts you in a position where you can just kind of talk to the guys and number one it gives me a chance to get to know the coaches I mean me and coach Campanelli talk about food I kind of took Soffit Dean's place in that regard on the beat this year talking to coach about food I talked to coach Grizzard a little bit about his hometown of or his home area in the Carolinas I kind of talked a little bit about my drive this last week and going through the mountains in Tennessee and down through Georgia and just you know getting to know the guys it's always I like to know the people that I'm covering and also, you know, kind of pulling for here in the Miami Dolphins and, and just all the good guys in this building. It makes it, it makes it more fun and more enjoyable for me. So a big thanks to the Dolphins coaching staff for really just being receptive to my questions and open and honest about everything there. So let's go ahead and pivot here outside of the coaches media availability. You can find all of those up on YouTube on the Miami Dolphins channel right now, as well as Dolphins today. I'm on Dolphins today once a week for you guys. We have two episodes a week, but you can find me on the Thursday episodes, so do not forget to check those out as well. But let's go ahead and move on now to the Dolphins depth chart, which came out with the weekly release here. Offensively, Tua Tungavailoa, your first-string quarterback, with Jacoby Brissett, the backup. Miles Gaskin, Malcolm Brown, Savon Ahmed, your running backs. At receiver, Parker, Waddle, Grant, listed as the starters, with Williams, Wilson, and Hollins, the three behind. Gasecki, Shaheen, Smythe, Stephen Carter and Hunter Long make up your tight end room. Austin Jackson, Solomon Kinley, Michael Dieter, Robert Hunt, and Jesse Davis, the top five on the offensive line. You've got Greg Little as your left tackle on the depth chart. And Robert Jones is the backup at both guard spots with Greg Mance at center and Eichenberg the right tackle position. Emmanuel Ogba, 
Raekwon Davis and Christian Wilkins make up your three down on the depth chart up front. Then you have Adam Butler, John Jenkins, and Zach Sealer, the three behind, with Jerome Baker, Alandon Roberts, and Andrew Van Ginkle at linebacker. This is a three-by-three look on the depth chart with Duke Riley, Sam Egwavon, Brennan Scarlett, and Jalen Phillips behind. At cornerback, the top three are Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, and Justin Coleman with Nick Needham, Noah Igbenogany, uh, Elijah Campbell, Jamal Perry on the back end. And then in safety, you've got Jason McCourty and Eric Rowe with Javon Holland, Brandon Jones, and Clayton Fedulum following up behind. As far as the return specialists go, Jakeem Grant, Jalen Waddell, and Noah Igbenogany. How about the Patriots depth chart? We'll go over the players listed as starters and as well as second team here that could see some considerable playing time but at the quarterback position Mac Jones listed no quarterback in behind him on the depth chart on the offensive line Isaiah Wynn Mike Unwenu David Andrews the starting center Shaq Mason and Trent Brown at tight end two tight ends listed as starters here Hunter Henry John o. Smith no surprises there Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers are the starting receivers in this 12 personnel package available here and also two running backs with Damian Harris and James White with J.J. Taylor in there behind as well as Jakob Johnson at fullback. Kendrick Bourne and Gunnar Olszewski are the third and fourth receivers listed here on this list. On defense, Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Guy, and Devon Godshaw with Henry Anderson across the defensive line. Chase Winovich, Kristen Barmore, Carl Davis, and Chase Winovich, the three or the four rather behind those guys. At linebacker, Matt Judon with rookie Ronnie Perkins behind him. Dante Hightower, the middle linebacker with Jawan Bentley behind him. And then Kyle Van Noy and Josh Uche, the linebacker behind him. At cornerback, we know no Stephon Gilmore on PUP. So it's J.C. Jackson with Jalen Mills, the opposite cornerback, aside Jackson. Jonathan Jones likely mans the slot, or they could put J.C. Jackson inside with Jones outside when they go nickel. So Jackson plays outside in two D, or two cornerback packages, maybe kicks inside against the, or when they go three cornerback. And that nickel, Adrian Phillips and Devin McCourty are two safeties, but Kyle Duggar, the third safety on here, he's going to play a lot. He's a heck of a football player. So those are Patriots uh, depth chart. And, you know, we're going to have the three keys on tomorrow's podcast, but I want to go ahead and tease that real quick. To me, the key is heating up Mac Jones and to speed up that clock for the rookie quarterback. And we'll talk about that again in all the parts and matchups that can accelerate that point tomorrow. But today I want to talk about a deep dive on a player who is a part of heating up that quarterback and the rush package plan and doing a good job of creating chances for other guys in our deep dive here on this Wednesday podcast, a guy who has quietly had a huge hand in the plan for getting pressure, getting turnovers, a player who I think is criminally undervalued in Christian Wilkins. We're going to go ahead and look at him and the 40 sacks last year and 29 takeaways and what his role was on those plays. The number one takeaway here is that he did it from multiple positions, three tech, two tech, one tech where you're shading the outside of the center, five tech off the outside end, four tech up over the tackle, the four eye. He plays so many spots. I had so many examples here. I wrote these all down. Like for instance, the first one he's involved in, he's a three technique. Emmanuel Ogba gets a one-on-one chance right next to Christian Wilkins. Wilkins takes up a double team and occupies both blockers. So not only on this play, Does he help create a one-on-one chance for one of your better pass rushers? He pushes that double team back into the quarterback and around the outside of the tackle position so that Ogba can redirect, come back inside, and scrape for that sack. And there was strong coverage on the play to allow all that to happen. But it's plays like this where Wilkins is not going to get any stats on the stat sheet. 
and Brian Flores talked about this last year, a player can have a great game with no tackles, no sacks, no tipped passes, whatever it might be. You can have a great game if you do your job every single play, and it's hard to imagine a player that does more to create chances for his teammates and help the defense excel overall without the individual statistics go along with it, like a Christian Wilkins. So for instance, you come back later on the Jets game, the second Jets game, I should say, uh, Christian Wilkins is the nose tackle. Brandon Jones, the safety, is stacked behind him, and Wilkins wins across the face of the center, which forces him to get back and get vertical to match the speed of that get-off, and it opens up a lane for Brandon Jones to come clean on his first career sack. I have another example here of him eating up a double team where the guard slides over a gap and creates space for a linebacker rushing on the inside. More examples of the center trying to deal with that get-off he has in the explosion. We saw at Clemson where he could one-gap penetrate and shoot into the backfield and take advantage of lesser talents as far as guys that cannot match his quickness and get-off. But the thing I noticed the most was how much urgency he creates on the interior of opposing offensive lines to get into position to just block him and get him because the number one responsibility for pass protection take care of the most immediate danger and that's for running backs usually like which guy do you go pick up the inside rusher that has the most immediate danger to your quarterback and with Christian he accelerates that thought whether it's the center whether it's a guard whether it is the running back stepping up out of the position to help protect the edge and come in there and chip on big number 94 and that creates so many opportunities for linebackers to fly in the a-gaps for edge rushers to win outside without the worry of a chip from that pesky little running back he just does so much to impact the game as a pass rusher and again I wrote down all let's see there's 37 of these I believe because he 38 of them because he was the Dolphins had two sacks in the games he didn't play last year as part of the COVID-19 reserve list but he had he had his hand in on 13 of the 40 sacks the Miami Dolphins had plus the one and a half he did so 15 total plays there but he misses the Chargers and Broncos games and in those games Dolphins had two sacks and three takeaways in the 14 games with Christian well, you had 38 sacks, so that is one sack per game compared to better than two sacks per game with Christian Wilkins in the lineup, and then of course 26 takeaways is not quite as good as the three takeaways in two games. That's a little bit more of a skewed sample size, but you get the point. With Christian Wilkins in the game, the defense is much better because he helps guys out so much, and the case was the same with the takeaways too. I mean, instances where he eats up blocks and pushes the pocket. I've got three examples here of him getting directly into the quarterback's face with pressure on balls that were picked off. Seven plays where I thought he directly impacted the play as far as making the quarterback leave the spot or throwing the football before he wants to. Plus, he had an INT and a fumble recovery of his own. So nine total plays. Call it nine turnover plays where number 94 is directly involved and 15 plays with sacks. That's 29 takeaways and 40 sacks, that's a significant chunk of both of those numbers. He played 637 snaps last year, and we're obviously not counting, you know, his tackles, his run stops. That number clearly goes up significantly because it's one of his best traits. He was the number six player last year in ESPN's run stop win rate among interior defensive linemen on ESPN. But 24 out of 637 plays And those 24 plays have massive EPA swings, right? Expected points added swings. Turnovers are among the biggest in terms of that number we see in the NFL. And EPA is a great number to go off of, but 24 of his 637 plays had massive EPA swings attached to it. Almost 4% of his snaps. So if you play 50 snaps in a game, which Christian is certainly capable of doing, 
that's two plays a game, one play a half. That's You take that all day long. So we'll be doing these on Wednesday, and I have my list here. I'm not going to go through the whole thing because it might be kind of dry and boring, but the overall takeaways is, is to get into this deep dive to uncover the true value of a player and chart these things to give you guys more context as far as how the player performs relative to what you might have as your expectation based upon just the box score which can be what a lot of you know if you don't have time to go over all the stuff is what you kind of rely on so hopefully this podcast creates more context for those plays and we'll do this on Wednesdays again to take a deep dive on certain players whether it's from the game we just watched or a possible comprehensive look at a player from the whole season or a stretch of games whatever it might be we remain flexible but a little project here that takes you know a few hours to put together for a nice little 10 or 5 minute segment on the podcast that's what you can expect going forward I hope you enjoyed this one ahead of our week one game so let's pivot again and move on to something else what do we got here last week Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Media, Move the Sticks podcast, does a little bit of everything, fantastic broadcaster and communicator and podcaster and live draft analyzer. <laughs> That's not a word, but we're going to go with it. But at the time of roster cutdown last week, he sent a tweet out, and he's one of my favorite Twitter follows as well, at Move the Sticks. He put out his checklist for building a championship team. And what else do we do here besides bring it back to the Miami Dolphins? So Jeremiah's list for a championship contender checklist is your quarterback. I think that's pretty clearly obvious. Two pass rushers, three offensive playmakers, three defensive playmakers, and three good offensive linemen. I want to go ahead and reiterate here that even though DJ has forgotten way more football than you or I will ever know, I'm not so sure I agree with him in this, in that it shortchanges the work of the entire 53-man roster, the coaching staff, the entire organization, because we know it's never just one guy, or even in this case, 11 guys. It's everybody. So with that disclaimer out of the way, I think you've just about got that checklist down and then some, because I'm looking at Tua Tungabailoa. You guys know I believe in the Dolphins quarterback of the future there. Emmanuel Ogba, number three on PFF and edge rusher pressures last season. And then Jalen Phillips goes on the list too, because of course he's a rookie, but projecting from college projection, his ability to recognize what an offensive lineman does to him in his pass rush plan and to adapt and apply those adjustments in game in college has me so excited for his profile. You add to that his physical makeup and the pro day and the metrics and the get off and the speed, the strength, all that stuff. To me, I mean, the first pass which are taken in this year's draft, to me, projects high upside. So Ogba Phillips there for me offensive playmakers again going back to the rookie well Jalen Waddle highest college yards per game last year highest yards after catch average the best deep threat in terms of GPS metrics and speed elusiveness separation creating scoring from deep catching 21 of 26 deep balls throwing 20 plus yards in his college career he's my number one guy on there with Will Fuller who had nearly 900 yards and eight touchdowns in 11 games last year Mike Gesicki near the top of the tight end leaderboard each of the last two seasons in the major statistical categories uh, among tight ends. Plus the highlight plays. We've seen the one-handed catches, the touchdowns, the posterizations. He gets open, as Tua said in his post-game press conference after the first preseason game. And then you've got guys like Miles Gaskin, Devontae Parker, and Jakeem Grant, you know, an all-pro specialist. And Miles Gaskin, a three-down back, and Devontae Parker, 1,200-yard season just two years ago. Defensive playmakers, Xavier Howard led the league in picks last year. Jerome Baker had the second most sacks among off-ball linebackers last year. Javon Holland had tied for the fourth most interceptions over his two years at Oregon between 2018 and 2019. 
The offensive line is essentially all projections, and not for the lack of ability. It's just that the jury is out on pretty much any player in the National Football League in year one, year two, even some in year three, which is essentially what the Dolphins' offensive line is. Now, Michael Dieter's in year three, but he hardly played last year in year two. But I'll put down here Robert Hunt, Liam Eikenberg, and Austin Jackson. And again, that could be any of the five guys. Depends. We'll find out who emerges this year up front for this Dolphins team. But then, you know, as far as this topic to put a bow on it, I think about like where do I slide in Eric Rowe and Byron Jones and Andrew Van Ginkle and Zach Sealer and Raekwon Davis and Christian Wilkins and Adam Butler and even then we're still shortchanging but this goes back to yesterday's podcast and we don't need to rehash that just listen to it again the depth on the show you gotta love it continuing on for another blurb I want to run here from my content that I absorb myself as a fan as a you know broadcaster myself and one of my favorite shows is the Ringer NFL show. What a terrific podcast. And the addition of Ben Solak really got me into it. But they add not just Ben Solak, but also Steven Ruiz. And I just can't get enough of that because it's very in-depth football knowledge that those guys provide, along with what Kevin Clark and Nora... Oh, man, I'm going to butcher her last name. Pink. Uh, let's, we'll go, we'll, I'll come back to it. But they both presented a fantastic podcast, and it got even better for my money. So I truly, really became intrigued when Ben and Steven agreed on their big preseason takeaway from a podcast about a few weeks ago was that Tua has shown the signs this August that he looks the part of the prospect that most folks loved coming out of Alabama. And we talk about that on the podcast a whole heck of a lot, don't we? So I wanted to play this sound clip from Ben on his season preview podcast that dropped on Monday on the Ringer NFL show as he went division by division and Ben projected Miami as a wild card team that competes with Buffalo and the AFC East. Let's go to Ben. I think they're building a really good offense under two. I love what I've seen uh, in terms of what they're doing schematically in the preseason. I do like their collaborative approach. It's a little bit unorthodox, but I, they seem to be building out a really nice offense for Tua's skill set. Obviously, Kevin, when you, me, and Steven had the pod and we all were just like, hey, to a preseason game like that's what it's supposed to look like like it is noticeable what they're doing throw in the fact that i i just think that defense is a thrashing machine uh and i i think the patriots defense can be and should be as well but the dolphins showed us it last year and then mostly retained talent and added it a couple spots as well rookie jalen phillips comes along on the edge to me they're they're deep and they're steady at all three levels uh, and so i have the dolphins as a double digit win team uh they were very close to the wild card last year they just need a couple more wins early in the season to get there and i think they do Again, that's the Ringer NFL show with Kevin Clark and Nora Princiati. I hope I got that right, as the host, and Ben Solak as the guest here. And they also have, again, Stephen Rees. He does the podcast a lot, too. Highly, highly recommend Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. That's the NFL Ringer show. Again, wherever your podcasts are available. And then also this blurb from ESPN's Power Rankings. The Dolphins come in at number 11 on the ESPN Power Rankings. And I had a chance to meet today new ESPN Dolphins reporter, Marcel Louis Jaquez. And he was a fun guy to meet and talk to for the first time today. But he wrote this blurb. The Dolphins defense features an elite secondary that could make life tough for opposing quarterbacks. And that, combined with Tua Tungavailoa leading an upstart offense, helps Miami break their playoff streak in 2021. Man, just seeing all this content, it has me feeling alive. Football is here. It's right around the corner, and it's coming your way this Sunday. Let's go ahead and finish up here with some bulletin board for this Sunday. First, I want to start here with this segment on the Tuesday, no, the Monday Colin Cowherd show. Let's go ahead and play this audio for you. Major skepticism regarding Tua in Miami, their quarterback. Only 11th executives in the NFL 
put Miami 11th in the AFC. Said one executive, with Tua, I'll believe it when I see it. Now, you know I've been skeptical of this because I don't see the special. I don't see it in the arm. I don't see it in the athleticism. I don't see it in in the size. Uh, And it should be noted, this team went out. All right, that's about enough of that. If you don't see the special, I do not know what to tell you. How about this blurb from 538, which does playoff odds. The Dolphins have a coin flips chance at the playoffs on the strength of their defense, number eight in EPA last year, and an improved arsenal of weapons for Tua Tungavailoa to target in his second NFL season. Now, that's the part that really gets me. It's this parenthetical to end the blurb, assuming Tua remains the starter. Bulletin board material. Let's keep it coming. How about Peter King, one of my favorite all-time writers, literally my idol as far as football writing goes at a young age. Him and Dr. Z were like the two goats, in my opinion. But everything is fair game in the bulletin board segment. Peter King wrote this on his recent Monday morning quarterback. I didn't pick the Dolphins to make the playoffs simply because I don't have enough evidence to trust Tua Tungavailoa. Not saying he won't be good. I just haven't seen it. And the blurb. And just so you know, the Patriots are his number five seed with a rookie quarterback. All right. On Tuesday, player day off. I saw this last year, talked about it a lot. Saw Miles Gaskin run some routes out there today, getting some extra work in. That's what he does. The guy never stops working. Also saw Raekwon Davis getting some extra laps and conditioning. And so good to see that stuff here at Baptist Health Training Complex. Coming your way this week, Thursday, the preview show. We're going to take down, or break down rather, every element of that Dolphins and Patriots matchup in week number one. On Friday, we're going to come back and pick the games the week, this week in the NFL, as well as some college picks, talk about some prospects, some fun stuff like that, and also get your questions on the Twitter mailbag. Plenty to come this week, plenty to come this season. The season is now right around the corner. And in the meantime, that is going to be my time. Caroline, daddy is coming home. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with Seth and OJ. Latest episode, Wes Welker, available now wherever you get your podcast from. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.